Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Okay, thank you for joining Purpose Driven Sobriety. Um, I want to say today's show is sponsored by Putnam Bookkeeping and Tax Service here in Waco, Texas. So if you're in the Central Texas area, or quite frankly, you could be anywhere and need bookkeeping or tax service, um, Greg Putnam has been a, a family friend of my family for 34 years. He's a he's a good old boy, and he's a smarty pants. So um, he'd be honored to to, to uh, take care of you in that sense. Um, you can look him up on Facebook under uh, Putnam Bookkeeping. So today. Um, we have Mr. David L. You can use the last name. Okay. Lo- 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 Mr. David Lovelove. Well, you just never know with, with uh, uh, anonymity and what have you. But um, you have traveled far, sir, um, to come be on the show. And I'm grateful to you. Um, I met David. Um, on, on the intraweb, basically, um, we're in several, I think we're in a, a few recovery yeah, yeah. Um, pages. There is some good resources online, you know, on Facebook, namely, um, you know, if you're, if you, um, you are a family member, have, have trouble with um, addiction, there are some good resources, some good support. So I met David, I think, I'm sure you shared something that I commented on and we started a conversation and it's one of those things that when someone speaks your language, I mean, if you're, if you're in the, um, in this community and this this addiction um, alcoholism addiction world um you you recognize each other and so i i loved what you shared I, and i do all the time and you um i'm just really impressed with you so thank you so much for coming up and, and agreeing to sit down with me um so on the show we just basically you know share what it was like what happened and what it's like now you know um just to kind of reach that person who's still who's still suffering yeah. so Tell me all the things. Well, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, it's funny how our recovery community works. Um, I think it says it somewhere in in some of our literature, you know, that, you know, we can win the confidence of another addict or alcoholic usually within the first couple of minutes. Yes, like no one else can. Like no one else can. You know, we speak that language and we have that bond. Mm -hmm. Um, I love it. You know, either deep rooted in trauma or fear, you know, all the baselines of our disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you speak to somebody that's on the other side of that, there's a connection that's formed, whether right. you know that person or not. I love it. You know, and that's, that's the, that is truly the uniqueness of having this disease. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but I'm no different than, than anybody else who's been, you know, afflicted from this. Um, you know, I grew up in the mean streets of West Houston um, in a suburb uh, called Katy, Texas. And, um, you know, when it, we, we grew up out there, it was like living on an island. You know, my parents built a house out there in the early 70s. And my mom taught in the school district. I mean, I come from a great home. My dad was successful. My mom was a successful educator. And I was an only child. And, I mean, had everything. 
I mean, wow. you know, but it wasn't enough. Mm. You know, there was something that was always still empty inside of me. And it wasn't anything that anybody necessarily had done. I mean, like any other kid had run-ins with other kids or disagreements or, you know, whatever, light bullying, or but nothing severe, right? And, um, but I don't know. I, you know, I, I think I was born with this disease. Um, I think probably. Now, does it run in your family? It does. That's, it, that's always an interesting question because believe it or not, and it's funny, David, I got to tell you, um, I, and I'll have to think back to which guest it was. Um, but, but when you, when you say, was there a family history and they're like, no, and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Because really only in about a third. I think the numbers really? prove, yeah, the, the numbers prove about a third of it is, is not genetic. And the other two thirds, more than likely, you have the gene. Wow! And um, but you know, my family's from Louisiana, and drinking's a big part of the culture there. Um, and and I remember, you know, being a child and having a drink, you know, or sips of drinks at parties and mm-hmm. things like that, and never thought anything of it. Saw some of the behaviors, but but I equated alcohol with fun. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to an age. Not legally, of course. Mm, of but course. when I got to an age where I could experience alcohol, um, I enjoyed it because it was fun. So did you? So so back to that question. Did you do? Do you have a history in the family of of oh, it yes. being a problem? Yes. Okay, got it. Yes. I mean, later on, as I've learned you, and yeah. grown in this thing, and and understood, more is revealed. More, yes, more, <laughs> uh, and lots, wa- lots was revealed. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I it, it it definitely ran on on my mother's side. Um, you know, I yes, um, it 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 was prevalent. Got it. And 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 certainly certainly as I got older, saw the effects of it. And I was even before I got sober. So you know, it wasn't even a you know like oh well that's just I guess that's just what happens if right you do, if you do this long enough right you know there are consequences sure right. Um, so I, you know, I had those first couple of drinks and, and, and I loved it, you know, just to be so honest. So do you remember that? You know, cause, cause a yes. lot of people will say, you know, I got a warm face and yeah, my no, I mean, it was relaxed. just something it's- different because I had, you know, as I got to like my, like teenage years, um, I was always, so I, I, I excelled at, at a specific sport tennis at the, at the time and, and, and in the eighties and growing up in Katy at the time was like living on an Island in Houston. And I couldn't wait to get off the island. Mm. And I played the sport that got me out of Katy. Um, I mean, I, w- I was a nationally ranked and state ranked junior player. So, I mean, I, I, I traveled quite a bit. I was outside of our little bubble community, and which was great because I had lived in this pattern of fear, which I'm able to understand today, but not n- then. Um, I was just always afraid to be my authentic self because I never really felt like, I was good enough or if you know, my parents had enough money or if we had the right kind of car. So to your peers. To yeah. my peers. Or and, just the general world. Yeah, I, I was full of envy and jealousy and all these character traits of a real alcoholic and mm-hmm. addict what, that, 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 that instills into that early stages of trauma. Mm-hmm. Well, I just manifested that. And when I was able to ingest that, that alcohol, all that... All that fear and all that stuff went away. away. It just melted away, like wow. it, it, and it was beautiful, because then I felt a part of, and and I chased that elusive feeling for the next, you know, 
three plus decades. Really? And then um, in high school, growing up, you know, one of the fortunate things about growing up in the 80s is that, you know, we were introduced to a really fun white powdery substance. <laughs> and that was magical to me. Mm-hmm. Magical. Um, and you would think that at such an early age being exposed to some of these things and and it really was when it, when when we say everywhere it was everywhere oh right it, yeah. and and it didn't matter if you were you could be the 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 top level athletes in the school you could be the smart kids or you could be the ones you know the the seedy kids mm-hmm. cocaine and ecstasy and alcohol that was high school in the 80s mm. i mean it certainly was where i was at right and and anyone else that i talked to all throughout the city or other cities or states that I got to travel too. to, yeah. that was the similar experience. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of, yes, we knew it was wrong, but you so know, you so, is, so is speeding. Right. Right. right? Yeah. Right. But, <laughs> or stealing but, something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, I'm 10 miles over the speed limit. Well, everyone does it. Right. So you didn't really think anything of it and, and never really had any consequences from it. Um, but I got hurt my senior year um, pretty severely. I, I almost tore my hamstring. I mean, from severed it. Um, wow. And so I had lost a lot, lot of scholarship opportunities to go play tennis because I wasn't even walking. I, mean, oh, I, was, wow. I was on crutches for about seven, eight months. And, and that was difficult. And then not knowing what I was going to do, and because school was never a priority, because I knew tennis was going to pay for my education. Mm-hmm. And when that was taken away from me, where were you? Yeah. Boom. I mean, it's, yeah. And now Where all of a sudden you? I'm stuck really with these kids that I've grown up with since kindergarten. I mean, I've known like our, our, our community was still small, but growing, but I've known these kids my whole life, but I didn't know them. Mm-hmm. And then that even drove that fear even a little bit more of who could I be? Because when I could go to another, you know, another school, another state, another city, I mean, I could just make shit up. Sorry right. if I, you know, <laughs> I mean, I could just make, I could make things up because I knew what I thought you wanted to hear. Right. And so that, that, that control, I wanted to control outcomes. So you were, and I've, I've often said, you know, with, with me, um, I, I can look back now and I, I had this massive trunk where I stored all my masks in my oh, costumes. Yes. And, yes. and it's like, oh, well, I'm going here, so I have to be this person. Yep. Oh, I'm going here, so I have to be this. And it was just exhausting. It truly was. And, yeah, because I was too afraid to be my authentic self. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't even know who I was. Mm-hmm. At that point, you just start believing your own bullshit. Sure. And, like, what's real? Who and then you I throw t- substance into it. And wow. Which, you know. Yeah, and then you just make forget about it. Oh, then the anxiety goes away. Right. And like then I don't have to worry about it. And so what's the easiest way to do is just keep making stuff up. Right. And then, so now my senior year, I'm, I'm primarily in Katy, um, with these group of kids and, and it seemed like the normal thing to do would be, well, I'm going to be that guy, whether how many people knew it or not, because of some connections that I had, I'm going to be the guy that people are going to get stuff from because then people are going to like me. Right, logical. It, what, it makes perfect sense logic to me. and common sense <laughs> to a seventeen-year-old alcoholic who's uh, putting cocaine and ecstasy in mm-hmm. their body every weekend. 
that's that's a normal what a way to be liked of thought right yeah what a way to be the popular because guy. my pager went off all the time mm-hmm. that's a little thing that yeah. used to be for those of you that aren't quite <laughs> old enough to understand that would show a phone number that would show a phone number <laughs> you'd have to find a phone right and if it said nine one one at the end of the minute it means make it urgent, <laughs> which meant you could charge more oh oh see oh, that's the business part of me wow and so i did that and then um you know, fast forward, you know, a few months, I, I ended up being able to, to, to get an opportunity to, to go play tennis at a school so far off the island um, in a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, wow. So in 1989, I, I pack up um, and I still wasn't even playing tennis yet. And, and I committed to go to the school to go play tennis in, in Cleveland, Ohio. And I went up there, um, did really well school wise. Um, and then the end of that season, and I went 18-0. and 0. I went undefeated as a, as, a, as a freshman. So, I mean, I was back playing. I got to play at, you know, at a really high level of tennis, relatively speaking. Sure. Right? And, um, you know, I, I, I won the Ohio Athletic Conference as a freshman. And I'm like, all right. Um, but what I didn't realize is that winters in Cleveland, Ohio, Are is vastly cool. different than winters in the South. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't deal with that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was dating a girl. I stayed up there to teach summer camps because I was I was just going to stay up there for the summer. Um, my parents' best friends lived there. They were um, he was an he he was the dean of the business school. That's how I got there. Sure, sure. And there's more to that story a little bit later. And then, um, but I knew I really wasn't going to stay. And so I came home, and my parents went up there, and I was supposed to come right back. And I never did, and said, "They're like, well, what do you, what, what, what do we tell this girl?" I'm like, "Just tell her I'm not coming back." Oh wow! Get my stuff, because I, I torn my rotator cuff, and so oh. I knew, so I knew I wasn't going back. Um, and then I jumped right back into what I knew how to do. Um, so you were back in Katy. I was back in Katy, back in Houston. Um, tanning salon business was blowing up in the early '90s, and you know, I, I was a I was a part of a group where, you know, we were running tanning salons and, you know, I was in the nightclubs every single night doing my thing, right? Life was good. And, um, one fateful night, you know, I had a, there was a knock on the door. It was Thursday night, 1991. I remember, um, the girl I was living with, I mean, she, she was asleep on the couch and, uh, no one knew where I lived. Um, and I, there was a knock on the door. There was a nice man and a lady and, they introduced themselves, and um, they were with the DEA. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I said, okay. Um, they had the right paperwork to enter, but they were polite enough to ask, right? Um, and they came in and started asking me um, about about some things. Um, some of it was foreign. I didn't really understand what they were talking about, but then they had, um, you know, asked me, you know, uh, you know, do you mind if we search the apartment? Mm-hmm. And you know, I said, sure. I mean, again, I'm not, again, they were just nice enough to ask. Right, they right. were going to do it anyways, right? Yeah. But they didn't search it. They went right to the kitchen, o- opened up the broiler pan in the oven where I had a backpack with two and a half kilos of cocaine. Hmm. When I was 20 years old, which was bad. That's 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 bad. That's bad. That's bad. But what I didn't know is that this cocaine that I had been getting um, from a guy, and he's 
he's the only person that knew where that cocaine was. My girlfriend didn't even know it was there. Like, nobody knew except for one person. Um, but what I did know is that him and his little cronies, they had um, robbed somebody and, and two people were killed. Oh, wow. So that was a fun phone call home. Mm. Not only do I have these incredible drug charges, which which I was looking at serious prison time, but I also had, you know, conspiracy to murder, organized crime. I mean, it was a litany of charges. And, um, you know, um, it's funny how God or whatever that is, what I what I able to recognize now, how how he was just waiting for me to get my head out of my ass 30 mm. years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were still using during that oh. time too. What, oh, what yeah. was, what was that? So did they, did they take you to jail? Oh yeah. Like that? Not, I mean, oh, I, I yeah. know that may be a dumb, oh, dumb question, yeah. but no, yeah. if they were that nice, they may have said, yeah. turn yourself in the no, next morning or something no, like that. No, they, they, they politely took me with the other Put you, pretty silver bracelets put on. Me, and, yeah. And yeah. then I got to make that phone call home. Got and it. And that was, uh, and that was, and that was tough, you know. Um, to say that my mother was not pleased would be an understatement. Oh, I can't even and, imagine. And the rage of emotions and and the embarrassment, you know, that I put them through. I'm sure, the, the, I'm sure the fear, too. I mean, that's, the, the, you know. The, the fear, just... the anger, the anxiety. Um, you know, I mean, I'd never been in trouble before. Mm-hmm. And so, if you know, I used to laugh. You're you know, do it, do go it big, right. go home, right? <laughs> right? But, um, you know, you would think, though, that um, – that with some of those consequences that that would have straightened me out, but it didn't. And, and then over the next year, um, because I didn't know any of any of the people involved. I didn't know any part of that. The only thing that I knew was that I, I was in possession of this stuff. Right. Well, how'd you get it? Well, that's who, this is who I got it from the person that told y'all where it was. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, I helped them. Uh, just formulate their cases on these other people. I, I don't know who, again, I don't know who these people are. I have no relationship to them. I could care less at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but through the course of that, and then my dad's business partner at the time, had just moved to a, um, a, a really, you know, nice suburb in Houston, not suburb, but it, inside Houston, West mm-hmm. University. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and um, my, you know, one of my dad's business partners, his next door neighbor was an attorney. And, and this attorney that we hired just so happened um, he had just gone into criminal defense a couple years prior to. Oh, wow. But he he was the number two person of the special prosecutor's division. And his best friend was my prosecutor. Mm. What are the odds? Right. What are the odds? Mm-hmm. And so through the course of that, you know, we go to court that morning and um, they had already dropped all the other stuff. But I'm still looking at 45 years in prison. Wow. And. Did not think I was going home that day. And then um, Mr. O'Brien pulled me into his office and said, Bob will be up in a few moments. And, you know, he basically said, you know, if it wasn't for my relationship with your attorney and kind of against my better judgment, I'm going to drop this this intent to distribute. Um, and you're going to get to go home today. So tell me you learned your lesson and everything I did not. was okay. There I did we not. go. But I did try to change my people, places, and things to think that my life would get better. But it did not. Because the problem was I still went Mm -hmm. wherever 
Yeah, I geographically the, where, tried what, to change is, things. There's a, yeah, as they say. There's a saying in recovery, wherever you go, there you are. You know, if you, you know, a lot of people think that when, um, I, I don't even think they think, they just act, you know, when they're in, in active addiction. Um, and again, whether it be drugs or alcohol, addiction is addiction. Mind yeah. altering is mind altering. And I'm going to keep saying that because it's, 100% it, it's, true. it's, yeah, just, it's all the same, but people think, you know, if I just, I'll just get a better job, I'll just get a different spouse. I'll just, you know, have some kids or I'll move to this city or you're taking you with you and you are the problem 100%. ultimately. No, I will say this. So, um, I end up, I end up getting probation the max that they could give me mm-hmm. um in my first six months i got my probation revoked four times because i couldn't stay clean oh wow right i mean so i mean you think at some level i'd be scared out of my yeah, mind but, but see there's the that's the disease but here's the thing because now i just realize i can buy my way out of anything oh that's the other flip side of this mm-hmm. well it, mike started equating money Money can fix anything. Mm-hmm. Or right? those relationships. It's, the rela- you know. it's all yeah. about relationships. It's mm-hmm. all about money. Mm-hmm. And like, ah, well, then that became, money then became my God, in a sense. It became my higher power. The more I have of it, the more I can mask things that are going on with me. Mm-hmm. Or I can just buy the influence that I want anyways. Right. And so I end up moving to St. Louis in 1993. Um, we were we were able to petition the state of Texas and graciously let me leave, and so um, and that and that was good. I mean, I I I got a business degree, did really well in school, um, had some really good opportunities when I got out of school. I'd met um, I I met a girl, had gotten engaged. I mean, and in one weekend, I I, I graduated college, I got off probation. And a month or earlier, I'd just gotten married. Oh, wow. So things were happening. Things were happening. You know, and 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 I wasn't, I was still drinking, but I wasn't doing the other stuff. Sure. Um, and then I got, I got into, I got in, I got into mortgage banking uh, in, in, in the early 90s when it was exploding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that just opened up the floodgates. I mean, because it was like, I mean, it was like a kid in a candy store. Mm. Um, I entertained Part of, part of my job was to, to entertain brokers. And mm-hmm. so I was at some event five nights a week. Um, and and when you throw a bunch of 20, 30-something-year-olds with, you know, making all making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. We're, we're, we're not just sit around, sitting around reading the Bible. Right. Yep. You know, yep. it's, it's, it's steak dinners every night. It's bottles of wine and bottles of scotch and going to ball games and Hockey game that that was the life, mm-hmm. and the more the more we had of that, well, then eventually I found I found I found what I'd always wanted, and that was, and that was the cocaine part of it. Um, but I can still I still knew that for thirty plus years, that first that first high, that first high, that first time doing cocaine with a little bit of alcohol, that 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 mixture, that combination, that that feeling mm-hmm. and i tried hundreds of combinations of how to get that feeling could never find it only a one time around well and that see and that's I a chase difference. that elusive feeling really see yeah see i i didn't have that experience because my um, i was strictly alcohol drugs scared the shit out of yeah. me i mean i i tried um see but i didn't think i didn't think ecstasy and cocaine were really drugs like i thought like if you're really doing drugs 
Like you're you're putting a needle in shooting your arm. up meth and yeah, that's, and mm-hmm. that's a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, again, that was my train. <laughs> right, <laughs> no, I know, right, no, I get right. it. It's what's see, funny is see, I, I totally could, get it. I could justify anything. <laughs> no, well, I'm not I, yeah. doing that. Right. You know. Right. I mean, because again, you're talking about the '80s. Cocaine was glorified. But it, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. In my mind's eye, I'm trying to. Com- it was every stockbroker. It was every banker. It was oh, every sure. attorney. Well, it was like yeah. well, this is. You're not a drug addict. Right. A drug addict is what you see on the corner, the homeless, homeless. people mm-hmm. that have no shoes. Mm-hmm. That's lost every that's single thing. That's a drug addict. Right. That's, an al- that's an alcoholic. Right. No. Right. And people still have that mindset. And that's 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 the stigma. And right. that, that's why I choose today to recover out loud, out loud yep. as possible. Mm-hmm. But I was think I was thinking you know, when you, it was funny when you were talking about the trying to you know that that when you when you said that initial feeling trying to get that uh, same thing it was just you know th- a different type of alcohol more you know it's 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 yeah I totally get that even just with alcohol so that's just kind of a revelation yeah. to and, me right and now. and my the core root of my alcoholism and my addiction was really. Really more so moreism. I was never satisfied with anything, no matter how much I had. I mean, I and I had periods of time where I made a ton of money. It was never enough. Mm-mm. Never. I had moments of happiness, but happiness is temporary. Mm-hmm. It's it has fleeting. to do with happenings. Yes, yeah. it's mm-hmm. always it's not joy. Temporary. It's never enough. Right, and so today, you know, I've learned what joy is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even on my worst days, I still have joy today. Right. You know, and that's what recovery taught me. And, and so. In um, St. Louis. I, so, okay, we go back. So, we so, so I'm in St. Louis. I mean, I, you know, I graduate. I get into the banking. I get divorced 13 months into my marriage because I am an incredible husband. And it's not my fault. Of course. Right. Of course. Because she's the one that changed. Yes. Um, my unwillingness to change probably is really what led mm-hmm. to. The demise of it. But no, I mean, ultimately, we, I, I was checking off boxes. Um, I thought these are the things that people want me to do. Right. And I wasn't really in love. And, and, but, but I also didn't really want to get divorced either because of the stigma part of it. Sure. I mean, again, because I still didn't even know, am I happy? Am I, uh, I don't even know. Because at that point, I mean, I'm still, I'm putting in a lot of alcohol in my system. And like I said, and it wasn't until a couple of years later that we find the other stuff. And then it just manifested. But again, I had a couple houses. I had a couple cars. I mean, I had a. I was making a ton of money. How can I have a problem? I have all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I got stuff still. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't have a problem. I can't be an addict. I can't be an alcoholic. Well, I got at face stuff. value, well, you know, and that's kind of like I think I mentioned it on a, on a, on another show too. You know, that's kind of like when you when you hear of a celebrity, you know, committing suicide. You know, everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it! They, they had it so much to yeah. live for." It's like, no, they had so much to live on. Yes. In in their mind's eye, or wherever in their mind, they had nothing to live for, and and there's that's that that emptiness. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. Drive I, you crazy. I, I found these substances. I found money. I found a different pair of shoes to buy every single day to fill this void, mm-hmm. this, this unhappiness that was inside me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know another way to fill it. That's That was my solution, right? We talk about, I mean, you know, drugs and alcohol. That wasn't the problem. Right. That was my solution. Sure. Mm-hmm. My problem was is. What was going on between my ears? Mm-hmm. It was my thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I. That's what I truly had is a thinking problem, 
And then, um, surprisingly enough, things did not get better. They just get worse. <laughs> Newsflash. That's how it works. That's how it works. It never gets better. It, never it gets always better. gets worse. It always gets and worse. And then um, I lost everything in St. Louis. And, um, you know, I, I made the decision, uh, you know, and I moved back home to Katy. And um, 10 months later, my dad passed away. And my dad was my best friend, my oh. business partner. He was my best man at my wedding. Um, super close. My mom and I did not have a very good relationship at all. Um, and it wasn't to any fault of her own, just that she wouldn't buy my bullshit. Mm -hmm. And so that was in conflict with right. me. <laughs> and so that was inconvenient. That was an inconvenience <laughs> that, you know, she was trying to speak some truths and, and maybe our, our communication things weren't, weren't healthy, but, but the problem really in the relationship wasn't her. It was me. Mm -hmm. Um, because again, I was, Jules with alcohol and cocaine. Right. It's hard to be really present. Right. When you're always full of poison. Right. Right. And then so my dad passes away and to the Halloween night, 2005, um, I'm an only child and it's just my mom and I. And I, at that time, at that time it was just my, so my aunt, my cousin and myself that was left in our family. I mean, th th there's no other family. Um, and, and that number is one less today, you know, it's just my cousin and my, and my, and my mom and I, and my, and my cousin doesn't live in Houston. And so it's just, it's just her and I, and, um, I, I set off on this downward spiral spiral for the next 12 years. Oh, wow. Um, that got really dark, got really deep. Um, I racked up six more felonies along the way because I was overachieving in life. Um, from, from fraud to counterfeit to drug possession, how I never ended up in prison is beyond me. Um, it's that, mm -hmm. that, that protected me long enough. Um, and, and really good representation mm -hmm. and some money along the way certainly didn't help, right. you know, or help. Um, but, but it truly was, um, whatever that is that, that, that is running, running, truly running this thing, um, had, had something better for me. Um, but, but I had to go through what I had to go through and it was dark. There was, uh, Tell me about that. The, 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 there were periods of time where, um, you know, I mean, I was, I was seeing a psychiatrist and they gave me, you know, Zoloft and yeah. Klonopin and all this stuff. I mean, and there were, cause I had all these legal problems. And I mean, all of a sudden it's like, I have pissed my life away. What's the effing point? I, I've, I've given away my life. What's the point? And there were so many nights where I looked at those bottles of pills and was like, that's, that's the answer. That's the answer. Mm -hmm. um, because I'd never heard of anybody going to rehab. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know anybody that had died from drugs. I, I mean, I was still really kind of protected in a sense. Um, from, I guess the bad, really bad stuff that people probably have far more so than me had experienced at that point. But I, I, I didn't know of any other answers and, and until it just, it, it got, it got really bad. It got really bad, really dark. Um, and, and I had started dating this girl in 2015 and her and my mom got pretty close and, and that's, Again, that's more of that kind of working. Mm -hmm. People working in our lives when we don't know that they're working in our lives, right? right? But 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 they got close, 
um, which allowed at least some civility to happen between my mom and I because we couldn't sit in the so same So she was room. like a buffer almost? She was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not not kind of. She she was, and wow. so she she basically you know she you know she, she called up Gladys and said, "Hey, can y'all come over?" And this was sometime like early April two thousand seventeen, and uh, basically my mom said, "Look, um, you you've you've got a problem, and um, you know I found a place for you to go get some help, but if you don't go, um, you know I'm, you're you're." You're not welcome here anymore. Wow. And way I, to go, mom. Right. And I, I mean, not, I'm probably not yeah. in the moment. No. But yeah, well, no, wait. it was a fuck you. Yeah, right, right. I was going <laughs> to say, but man, how much, you know, well, let, let wow, me tell you, that Christine, tells me volumes about her, let, David. Let me tell you how sick I was. What I told her that day was, A, let me think about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Backtracking. And then the mor- the morning I decided when I, I I ultimately made the decision to go. But that morning, that I picked up the cashier's check because I was forty five years old, didn't have a pot to piss in, no insurance, nothing. But what she said was, "I'm willing. Th- this is the last bit of money I will ever give you, um, or you know, or, or help you with, right? Um, in this state, and um, you know, if you don't go, you're 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 written out of the will." You're written out of our family trust. Um, you will have nothing. If you show up at this house again, I will have you arrested. Um, and I and and as far as I'm concerned, it, it, I'm I'm willing to I'm I'm ready to let you go. And I couldn't imagine the strength that that took. I want to that woman. Her. Um, but my words to her that morning, when I snatched the check out of her hand, um, you know, was "fuck you." You're my problem. If you would just die, I wouldn't be in this situation. Because my mom for years had made proclamations that she would help me and mm-hmm. do things, but she never did. And so I held that resentment against her that she's the one that's holding me back. Mm-hmm. No, it's because I was never willing to change my behaviors. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame her. I, I wouldn't like, no, I'm not going to keep get your what. So you can just keep getting in trouble. She was watching you kill yourself. She was watching me yeah, kill myself. And, just, and she, yeah. and she oh, told wow. us that, that I'm not going to watch you kill yourself Mm-mm. anymore. And so the day I walked into treatment and what I found out a little bit later is that my mom had been going to Al-Anon for about six months. Oh, there it is. There it is. And that's what is. gave her that strength yeah, to, God. to stand up to me. Y'all, Al-Anon, if, if you're listening, um, Al-Anon is, it, okay, first of all, it's it's not my scene. <laughs> it's not my 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 sponsor made me go to an Al-Anon meeting. The first it's I was it was the first thirty days I was sober, yeah. and I came out of there and I told her I said I'm going to kill myself mm-hmm. I, if I have if you make me go. But I mean I I, I, yeah. I know that sounds dramatic, yeah. but it was just um yeah. you know because we don't uh, want to hear the truth. Well well yeah and and they just they're they're just they're, there's a they're a different it's meeting different. than than our than it's, our meeting down at down yeah. at uh, it's a different recovery. recovery. Yes, but Al-Anon. Al-Anon is for family members of people in addiction, yeah. and it um it's it saved Rick, my husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, he which I hated during at the time too, you know, because I watched him. You know what it was, David? I watched him start to take care of himself, and then all of a sudden, my problem was no longer his problem. It was just your problem. I know. 
rude. Pissed me off. Oh right? man, I just yeah, and it's I not was the like, me show. well, and so so I mean, I'm grasping at uh, everything I can to try to get, and he's like, I'm I'm finished with this, you know, and and yeah, that was wipe my hands. Praise God for Alan yes. on y'all. If you're a family member, you've yeah, check it out. You've got to you've got to take seek care of yourself help because. Yeah. Um, it's not your fault. Mm-mm. You know, it wasn't my And there's mom's. nothing you can do there's about it. You've got to. There, there really yeah. is nothing uh. you can do about it except surrender to the fact that you don't have the answers. Mm-hmm. There's there there's no frothy appeal mm-hmm. comes straight out of a literature from from a family member that that will that or will guilt it, or shame. Yeah, you can't or guilt or shame. None bribing, of that stuff yeah, works. None of it works. Surrender. Put your loved one in the hands of some professionals, and then just pray. Well, yeah, and, and take care do. of yourself. Well, and, and take care of yourself. And the analogy that we use in recovery, it's you know, if you're on an airplane and and you know there's trouble and the and the masky yep. things come down, yep. what's the you first the thing you're supposed to do? You're supposed to put it on yourself first, because yeah. unless you unless you're taking care of yourself, you're of no use to the people around you. And 100%. it's the same thing in recovery. So 100% right. if you have a family member, do do seek that out. So yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I no, I mean. It's a huge part of it because it, that yeah. was really that day one, and God so I, I, I walked into treatment at a at a at a facility in Houston, um, the Right Step. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I that place saved my life, but I walked into treatment that day and I weighed 126 pounds. Um, they told me if I didn't stop doing what I was doing, I was I was probably going to die in six months. Mm. I don't know if that was true or not, um, but I was bad. I looked terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I mean I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, so did you want to be there or were you there to shut I, her up? I went there to shut her up. Okay. Because I went, I went, yeah, to, I went, I went to treatment to, I, to I, shut I, I went there to people. shut her up. Yeah. Or just to buy some time. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Like, to, yeah. let me figure buy out. Buy some good graces. Let me figure out how I can manipulate this situation. Right. That right. that was that mm-hmm. was the true intent. She'll calm down. She'll, yeah. she'll get over this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and thankfully Gladys was like, just go. Just go. It's 30 days. Just... I'm like, no, but at, at that time, I was selling a ton of weed. You have such important and things you have to because do. Because people relied on me. <laughs> right. Who else is, where are people going to get their weed from? <laughs> That's how I supported myself. I know. Because uh, contrary to popular belief, a guy with seven felonies on his record wasn't getting hired as a CEO or a wow. vice president of a company. And right. that's what my entitled ass thought I deserved. Mm. You know, zero humility. You know, I had this huge ego and this broken, broken self-esteem. Wow. And I was broken in every sense of the word. Morally, financially, spiritually, I mean, I was broken. But you didn't know it. I didn't know it. At the time. No. Even walking into treatment. Not even walking into treatment. Mm -hmm. Well, not too long after walking into treatment. Because they told me me two things. Remember my intake counselor, and I share this with folks um, just about every day because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in the treatment space today. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and they told me two things that changed my life. They said, David, you never have to feel this way again. Okay. Sounded reasonable. Um, wasn't sure if it would be attainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they, they told me that my, my best days were yet to come. And here I thought for so many years, a decade plus, that I had given my entire life away, um, that that I would that I had my purpose in life was already gone. Right, you blew it. I blew it. Mm-hmm. Chances gone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and to have somebody 
that didn't know me tell me that I never had to feel this way again and that my best days were yet to come if I just took this recovery thing serious. And again, sounded reasonable, just not not me because mm-hmm. I'm unique, mm-hmm. right? I've got a unique that tells me I'm terminally unique mm-hmm. that no one's going to understand. Nobody's gone through what I've gone through. See, because if you went through what I've gone through, mm-hmm. you'd be in the same situation. Right. 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 But, but the miracle of, 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 of recovery is that it's full of people like me. Um, and I'm just the surface level. There are people that have recovered that have had it far worse than I had. Um, and, and, and my bottoms were, but we're low. But they weren't as low as well. Some, but you know some, what? Let's, but you can't compare bottoms. Um, see, let's right? let's talk about yeah. that. Let's talk about that. You don't have to get to that, that point, right? That that makes me crazy when someone comes in the room, a, a recovery room, and you know they're like, "Well, I've not lost my house. I don't have lost a DUI yet. I, I, yeah. I, you know, I don't think I belong here." And it's like, how do you feel? Do you yep. want to c- yep. literally crawl out of your own butthole? I mean, do you, uh, do you, do you, can you stand your own presence? You don't have to have consequences. Right. It, it's the like. The yets don't have yes. to happen. Say that again. The yets don't have to happen. Okay. We're, because we're they will. Because they will. Oh, they, they will. It's the inevitable. If, yes. If you it, don't die. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. But that's the only other alternative. But you don't have to wait until no. the, the. You don't have to wait until the DA is at the door. If you have ever asked yourself, do I think I have a problem? Chances are you have a problem. Right. Well, or chances are you need to thoroughly explore that to make sure. (laughs) If, you know. At some level, there's a problem. If you're asking yourself, I think I may have a problem. Mm -hmm. Chances are Mm 99.8. That's not scientific. That's Ludlow math, mm-hmm. <laughs> but chances are you've got a problem. See, and on the and on the flip side, I was the one that was the my last drunk was a Sam size bottle of Listerine, and and if you David, I remember if, hearing if, that. If you, if you would have hooked me up, if you would have hooked me up to a lie detector test and asked me. Christine, do you have a problem with alcohol? No. David, I would have passed because I wasn't drinking alcohol. I believe my own oh, bullshit. Yeah, and I, I I knew it to be true, and I and damned anybody else who didn't think so. So, so yeah, bo- bottom is bottom, man. Yeah. It, and the bottom is when you stop digging. It doesn't have to be that guy on the curb. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. no. That's so. It, that's not it. Right. Right? So, I remember... Um, Coming out of the intake stuff, and and they were walking me, escorting me, you know, over to the the, the house. It was a series of houses, and I was and I remember walking in the courtyard. But I do remember walking through the gates and hitting that courtyard, and then there there was like I was still experiencing fear, but not living the fear and shame that same felt that I'd been the, the same feeling that I'd been carrying. There was something that was kind of lifted from me that, that almost in a sense, not knowing what was coming, mm-hmm. but I do vividly remember that, you know what? Okay. Maybe this could be the start of something different. Maybe I've got a maybe. second chance. Maybe. Yeah. Or a 587th chance. Maybe a chance of just doing yeah. something different. Right. Maybe. You know, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I remember that feeling. And it wasn't until, um, you know, a few days in, you know, we went to some meetings every night and, and I was like, I cannot believe that you people believe this stuff because it still wasn't convinced. Well, mm-hmm. 
at that point, I knew I had a problem with cocaine. State of Texas can verify that. (laughs) Didn't need any other verification. But I didn't equate the fact that I was an alcoholic. I didn't understand that. And I certainly was not going to stop smoking weed because that was my anxiety. That was the thing. That was how I made money. Mm -hmm. Right? So there was all these good reasons of why I'm going to keep smoking weed. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, But no, um, it wasn't until about 10 days in. I remember sitting in a meeting, and 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 when I introduced myself, hi, my name is David, and I and, and I'm an alcoholic. And I started to understand that that um, that everything that I was hearing in the meetings, um, men that I was talking to that had never met me, all these men were telling me the same thing. And not only that, I was reading it in our literature, um, exactly what was wrong with me. And they isn't talked, that, to, and they talked about man. a solution. Yeah. But I remember. My, it was my fifth night in treatment, and there that we we went to a speaker meeting, and I didn't know what that was, but mm-hmm. all I knew was that this was the first meeting that we got to early, so we could pick our own seats. Because my very first meeting, we were late to, and the only seats that were available in this men's meeting of about seventy men were on the front row. Oh dear. <laughs> and then sitting right in front of me was this little, these two little signs on the beam and off the beam. If you don't know what it is, look it up. Mm-hmm. And, and the promises. And I, and I don't remember anything that was said during the meeting, but all I kept from meeting was reading was on and off the beam and how I was every one of the things that were off the beam. And I wanted to be everything that was on the beam. Wow. And then I read I those promises that. and I'm like, maybe that's what that lady was talking about. At my intake. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. And so we go to the speaker meeting, and I was able to find a seat in the back corner of the room. The exit chair. Literally where I could lean my head back and to the side. When I say in the corner, I was in the corner. And there was a pillar about 10 feet in front of me, so I could kind of block me from the front. And I was like, cool, get my little hour power nap in. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, I'm starting to feel pretty good because I haven't had in a poison in my body for about 10 days. Sure. Um, and I'm starting to hear some things, you know, I'm starting to, you know, but okay, but here's a chance to check out. And this young girl, um, and, and let me back up. I, I started hearing things where I, where I started going to meetings and pre-selecting without them saying a word who I m- might pay attention to. Right. And then, Cause I was, I was looking, I was looking for similarities, mm-hmm. not listening for similarities. Ah. Like that person I'm probably going to listen to cause I like their shoes. Which is what you had, which is what kind of got you in trouble to begin exactly. with because you were trying to, because yeah. It was that old way of thinking. Yeah. I hadn't figured this that thing obsession. out. Right? That obsession, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, you got nice shoes. So I'm going to listen yep. to what you mm-hmm. have to say. Mm-hmm. Probably you doesn't probably work got a program, it probably doesn't have it together, but I like your shoes, wow. right? And so I could have picked apart every single reason. Young girl, been sober at that time, I mean, she had 10 years sober. Um, different ethnic background. Just, I mean, got she got sober at 17. Like, I'm 45. Uh, uh, all, all the garbage, right? All the, yeah. nothing How could we possibly relate? Except for about 10 minutes into her speaking, I felt I felt myself sitting on the edge of my seat, um, hanging on to every word that she spoke that night. Um, and we, we've come to find out, and she's one of my 
bestest and dearest friends in the program today, um, that that was that was God or higher power or that. Mm -hmm. I like to just refer to it as mm -hmm. that because it keeps it simple for mm -hmm. me. Um, that whatever that is, that was speaking to me that night through her. Wow. In a room full of 100 people. She didn't know who I was, but she was speaking to me. That was God speaking to me that night. No doubt about it. Um, and so I went back to the treatment center that night and I said, okay. And that's when I first got introduced to our literature. Um, and they said, why don't you read the doctor's opinion? And I said, well, all right, um, wh where is this big book that y'all are talking about? Because I'm pretty sure if you told me you gave me a big book, I'd recognize a big book. Mm -hmm. But it was just a little pocket edition. And it sure, was at sure. the bottom of my suitcase at that point because I had no intentions of reading any anything that they had to say. Um, but I did. And um, that's, that's when I started to understand what was going to be necessary for a transformation to happen, um, a transformation of mindset, the psychic change that we talk about. And that's simply, man, I just had to start thinking about things differently. I had to start thinking about my life differently. I had to start thinking about my experiences differently. And there was no amount of shame um, that was going to fix my problem. Mm -hmm. I couldn't Isn't shame it, myself into recovery. You know what? I rem I remember too getting into that same book it, it, for the for the first time, honestly, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's so to to feel, you know, is ism ism. I heard a, I heard a speaker, um, you know, save the acronym ism. I separate myself, mm -hmm. you know, 100%. um, and and so I I know exactly what how, how, what you're talking about when when you're talking about how you you didn't feel a part of, and and you you just it's like you don't know who you are. You're constantly, but but to open that book and and a friend uh, challenged me to get a highlighter. And highlight all of the all of the sentences that I was like, oh, I felt that, or, that is relatable or to. I've done that, or or yep. oh my gosh, yeah, ooh, I know about that, you know, anything like that. So pages David, are highlighted. Oh my gosh, pages. the entire yeah. friggin' book, practically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that it said man, and I could change, you know, it, it's like. It, but but there was something so powerful, freeing yeah. to go, oh. Okay, that's oh okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yes, okay. maybe yes. It was crazy. Then I started hearing that same message in the meetings. Yes. Right? It's like, ah, okay. And then that's and familiar. Then, and then the key thing for me when 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 she got done speaking to me that night, it was when I when I, I that's why I brought up the, the similarities and the differences. Um what I would suggest anybody that, that, that will watch this if you go to a meeting. Don't look for the person with the nice shoes or the nice watch. J just go and listen. You 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 will hear you will hear similar similar mm -hmm. plights of mm -hmm. life, right? Um, I heard enough similarities in her story to mine, where, and I'd seen, and she shared about what her life was like today. That I said, you know what? Why not me? Why not me? Mm. I, all these other people seem to be doing it. You know, I, I'm, I like to think I'm pretty smart. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know a thing about recovery. I know a lot of things about a lot of things, but I didn't know anything about staying sober mm -hmm. or living a life in recovery. Mm -hmm. And and then that, that, that why not me is just what I've carried. And that's my strength in this thing today. And, um, you know, I jumped into it and I did everything that they suggested that I do. Um, 
I, I, I worked with a man to help take, take me through our program, our 12 step fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my only reason why I agreed to work the 12 step program, um, because I told him I, I will show you that it doesn't work. And then oh, be prepared really? that I will turn around and I will sue you for fraud. Mm-hmm. I will sue the fellowship for fraud and I'm going to sue my treatment center <laughs> for fraud. Because I'm going to show you that, because I still had that uniqueness mm-hmm. thing. But that was my ego. It worked for y'all because there was no right. possible way you were as fat as I was. Right. Yeah. And so, lo and behold, about, you know, 10 months into this thing, life life started getting better. And, um, you know, it wasn't great, but it was better. I felt different. My, my, my thinking started changing. So now were you still, were you still living? Where were you during no, so this I, time? I went to, I went to a sober living facility okay. three okay. months, my first three so months. So explain for yeah, anyone so, that might not so know I got, what I, I get out of treatment and I'm all, and, I, and I'm all on. I'm, I'm, I'm all like, you know what? I'll do this, you know, with the pretense that I'm going to show you that it doesn't work. Right. But, but I was, I was committed. Right. I was committed to do it. And, and I really, you know, I, um, you know, they gave me a list of about 30 things to do on my discharge plan when I left treatment. And, and I, I did all but one of them. It was, it was, you know, do 90 meetings in 90 days. I did 137 meetings in my first 90 days. Wow. You know, they said, get it, you know, um, have you ever, okay. So let, let, let's just say this right now. Have you ever regretted going to a meeting this entire time? No. Okay. Ever. 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 Always, it's like just always the, got at least one nugget of something. The hardest and part. And I've been to a lot of bad meetings, do, but I still got matter, some right. out of it. The, the hardest part is getting your ass in the car. Walk through the yeah. door. But see, but see my, my disease is all, all based in fear. And so once I was, once I, once I started getting a little bit of confidence that if I just walk through that door, there's something magical on the other side. And mm-hmm. it's probably not what I want. Mm-hmm. But it's exactly what I need. It's a lot better than what I have right it's exactly now. Exactly yeah. what I needed, and so because um, on the flip side, how many times have you gone to a meeting and and something's going on in your life, and just like you said, it's like someone either either the chairperson or someone in the meeting starts talking about that exact problem, and you're like, you have my house bugged, or you have been listening to my conversation. I love that aspect of it, and <sighs> I also hate that aspect know, of it right? because I still like to try to control things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but life today is pretty good. I got I got out of treatment. I went to a sober living facility. Um, they said they told me I had to have a job in five days. Now I hadn't oh, really wow. had a job in a long time. Again, not a lot of people hiring CEOs and vice presidents right out of treatment with seven felonies. Um, yeah, I can. So see that. so I had to learn the humility, and I went to work for a car wash. Okay, um, I was a car wash manager, um, and uh, I just did this thing. I did what I did. I did what. People that were successful in recovery and not successful monetarily that had recovered from the seemingly hopeless state of mind, mind and body that I was in, mm-hmm. that they had shared with me our, our similarities mm. and, and, and they had recovered and I wanted that. And so I just simply followed directions. Tell me what to do. Right. Tell me what to do. Tell I, me how to live. Cause my best thinking, um, should have landed my ass in prison for mm-hmm. the rest of my life. A couple of times. Because if you add them up, um, I was well over a hundred years in prison. Um, I've I've been in situations um, and 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 robbery situations where I've had a gun to my head twice and the trigger was pulled. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
said if if he could if he could perhaps just stay sober, um, he can find his purpose. And so um, I've done this thing, um, not perfectly, but to the best of my ability. Um, and it was it was shared with me early on that um, I got asked this simple question, um, Chris, and I'll ask you, Christine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need air to breathe, right? Because mm-hmm. you can't deny that fact, right? That's true. Without air, what happens? Mm-hmm. That's a, It's a craving. Mm-hmm. Without I, air, I die. I die. Yeah. I better start treating recovery like it's the air that I need to breathe. You know, and also I got to tell you, that's funny that you that you mentioned that you mentioned the air thing because I, I spoke at a women's conference this past weekend, and um, one one of the things that kept I, it was it, again a, a God thing, and I, I love that. But but I had gotten in in the literature, and it and it talked about the obsession of craving, mm-hmm. the obsession of craving, yep. and it's like, and while you're in in the act of addiction, you have this obsession of craving that you don't realize you have. And, and so it's like, okay, believe it or not, you have, no you, defense against you have an obsession of craving for air. You don't know you have it until someone puts a bag over your head. Right. Right. You're, I'm, I'm sitting here with you and I'm not thinking that I have an obsession. I'm not thinking about having to breathe. Right. I don't have an obsession to make sure that I'm getting air right now, but you put a bag over my head. The obsession of craving me- I'm shows suddenly itself. Realize I need some air. <laughs> right. It shows itself. Yeah, yeah. And so, so, you know, when, when you're in active addiction, um, you don't see it for, you just don't see it. You know, and until you do, and that's the scariest part about that this disease. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'll never forget. I had a lady come into my office one time. Um, we hold hold a ladies' meeting in our building, and she got there a little bit early. And she came into my office, and she said, "I just I can't stop. I just can't stop." And she said, "What's what's it?" And she you could tell her frustration because, and I don't know exactly what had happened the night before she because got in trouble. We think it's willpower, right? But but she said she said, "What's it going to take? Is it going to take me driving with my daughter in the car? Is it going to take me, you know, killing a?" I said, "I don't know, man. That's dude. That's that's the scary part. I don't and and for a parent, for right. mama, before she, you know, with Alan on, it's like, what's it going to take? And it, I don't know, but you have to be willing to." Watch him kill himself, or yeah. you know, from afar and yeah. separate and with separate, love. Yeah, and, and, and such a suck man, ass the, you disease, know, the strength man. that my mom had, you know, and I see, and I see that today, you know, the strength and the courage that it took for her to shut the door on her only child. Mm, I can't even imagine. Yeah, and um, you know, but life's pretty good today. Um, at about fifteen, sixteen months sober. Some things kind of intervened in my life, which helped um, all my legal stuff kind of get taken care of. Mm-hmm. Only because I was living a life in doing recovery, the deal, yeah, doing the next right mm-hmm. thing. Um, you know, just just being being able to be present because in active addiction, you're either running or chasing. You mm-hmm. you you are never in today. It's always. Several hours from now, thinking about that next that next high, that mm-hmm. next drink. How am I going to get it? What do I got to do to get it? Thinking about tomorrow, the corner, or we're living with all the shame and the guilt because mm-hmm. we're living in the past, or in resentments. What they or did to me, in, what right. you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you you don't have the mindset because it's filled with poison. 
cloud those things. Mm-hmm. And because all that poison shuts off all the learning centers of the brain, you can get all into all, all that side of it, sure. right? But it shuts off all those things. And then once once you get into recovery, you know, and if you truly find this thing and you get the poison out of your body, it, it, it can open up the growing centers and the learning parts of your brain again. And it just it's up to you to decide how do I want to fill that now? Mm-hmm. You know, um, do I go back to doing the same things? Well, th- that would be insanity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized that um, at that point I didn't really want to die because I just I did for the last five years before I went to treatment. I, w- I woke up every day. I just wanted to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, please, right. please. It would have been welcomed. And 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 I quote unquote prayed. Uh, maybe I didn't pray right. Yeah, right? Because I'm like, why won't you just let me die? Right. Well, that's mm-hmm. not really a prayer. It's mm-hmm. kind of a demand. Because it feels like you're trying to kill me anyway. Because that's a demand. Mm-hmm. And what I learned is whatever that is doesn't operate that way. Mm-hmm. Now, it may not answer me directly today, but where I find the answers is in my recovery meetings. Because that that's whatever that is, is spe- speaks to me through other people sharing their experience, strength, and hope. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I truly get the message. Mm. Because I still like things when I want them, sure. and I want an answer. But what I learned is that doesn't operate that way. Mm-hmm. And for me to get the answer, man, I got to go listen to some other addicts and alcoholics that I found recovery, because mm-hmm. I always find the answer, and it's always not what I want to hear. Right, <laughs> right. But or, it's yeah, what I need what to done. hear. Yeah. You know, it's what I need to hear. Um, you know, and life's pretty good today. But three and a half years ago. After I got my record cleaned up, which is a miracle, no, no, nothing short of a miracle. I realized that I wanted to go work in the recovery space Mm -hmm. and I went to work for a small detox center, um, but I was still actively involved in, in our, uh, alumni group at Mm -hmm. that time. Um, there was a change of ownership, um, and I met the new director, um, our, our, our group CEO at the time and. Because I was there doing big book studies. I was leading the alumni stuff. And she's like, you know, who are you? Mm-hmm. You know, you're here a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and I told her and we started talking. And, you know, and, they, and when they say, you know, others will start to see changes in you before you see it in yourself. Right. I was still just trying to figure this thing out at two and a half years sober, almost three years sober. Like, things were okay. Like, I mean, it wasn't great, but it was a, it was better than what it was. Right. I mean, I, ha- I, I had discovered what peace and serenity was. Mm. And I knew that. Man, if I just keep, if, man, I just got to just keep doing the next right thing, and mm-hmm. and and it's it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, and this woman saw something in me that I did not see in myself at the time, um, and said, you know, we have the we have this position that that's we're moving to a new center, um, we have this position. I want you to come work for me, and um, you know, she said we have this compliance position, and the irony of that today wow. is I lived a life of non-compliance for about 30 plus years. And then that's what I do for a behavioral health care company. You know, um, you know, Promises Behavioral Health is the company that I work for. And mm-hmm. we have facilities here in Texas. And, and, I'm, I'm, and I kind of oversee regulatory compliance for our Texas facilities, primarily our facility in College Station, which I'm super proud of, wow. um, where we, we treat substance abuse. And we, uh, we also have one of the only mental health RTC programs in the state of Texas mm. and at College Station. And and then also our, uh, the right step where I went to treatment a little over six years ago. Um, you know, and it's given me a life beyond what I thought 
could be possible what they told me that first day that my best days were yet right. to come. The problem that not the problem is that it just keeps getting better. The adventure, yeah. It just keeps mm-hmm. getting better because I have the ability today to be more centered and more present in today because I'm not worried about tomorrow. Not worried about what happened yesterday. Because I asked myself a couple simple things, and this is how I treat my recovery my re- my recovery program. Um, super simple. How can I be better today than I was yesterday? And I write down three things. Mm-hmm. Just simple as that. And through that transformation, because what I learned on, to get good at something, you have to practice it. And I wanted to get good at recovery. Not the things, right? but I wanted to get good at recovery. Mm-hmm. But what I practice, what we practice, only grows stronger. Mm-hmm. And so the more I practice it, the stronger I get, the more confidence I have that this is the life that I was truly meant to live, that I would go back and do every one of those things I did prior to getting sober if I guaranteed this life that I mm-hmm. had today. Mm-hmm. I would do it all again in a second. Um, my mom and I today have an incredible relationship. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and she did nothing to do any part of the change it was all me (laughs) it was all me Mm. she has not changed um the only thing that changed was my behaviors the way i look at myself the way i look at other people today um understanding that i have a part in everything um but i'm the only one that has the ability to to do anything about it and that's how i try to stay focused on just being better today than i was yesterday Mm. And I try to carry that message as often as I can. Um, you see me on the social media stuff. I, I am all about recovery. It truly is the air that I need to breathe mm-hmm. because it's given well, me life. Well, and it's given it away. It's, it's you know, you can't keep something nope. you don't, you're not willing to freely give away. Nope. It, that is, that is in, in my higher power who I choose to call God. That's God's rule, man. Yeah. It's like if, if you want more of something, yes. you have to give it away. Now, now that is not for everybody. Yeah. I, I totally get no, that. 100%. Not everybody can get on social media and say, hi, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. No, but for, share your journey. Have, have people that you're going to be held accountable yeah. to. Well, that, I mean, it could be one or two people. And well, and, and, and even, even just as simple as be willing that yes. if if you're in a circle of people and and you you have you have recovery and you hear someone struggling or something be willing to p- put that hand out and just go can I tell you something the you most, know the most let me share with you I think that one of the biggest badges of honor and and this is this is the stigma that drives me crazy with our disease today um, is that there is a level of shame mm. that is a part of somebody asking for help mm mm-hmm. Oh, it's just weakness. It, mm-hmm. Oh, it's weakness. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. don't have, man, and it is the opposite of that. And it takes not so true. much strength and so much courage to say, "I need some help. Mm-hmm. I have a problem. I, I can't do this. I can't do yeah. this. I'm, I, I think I might have a problem." Mm-hmm. Um, and the, thank God that we have a solution today. And I understand um, there are many different pathways to recovery. Twelve um, step fellowships probably just been around the longest. Probably help the most number of people, right? That's the one I'm in. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that there are other pathways. And what I always tell people, I don't care what you do, whether if you leave my treatment facility, another treatment facility, just be doing something. Mm -hmm. Be doing something. Well, and and just realizing that there is hope. There is is 
hope. Yes. You do not have to ever feel like that again. No. And you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. Well, be, be, and and just, you know, I, I've been talking with a family member recently about how how just this this community that we that we are blessed to be a part of um I, I i will go to my grave believing that this this is how god intended us to be yeah 100%. honest and and raw with one another and you know you can go into a tr- a recovery room and there is just zero judgment it's the most bizarre thing oh you know that it, it yes that <laughs> my the group that the, one of the groups that I, that that i call home um you know we we have we have doctors and lawyers and yes. and and then we have the the homeless person pushing the cart you no know one cares that, and 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 we are the 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 exact same we are the same that's the, the thing because you know what if you cut me and you cut you guess what mm-hmm. we still bleed red and we all just want to have peace we just want the same thing mm-hmm. you know and and yeah so it's you know recovery has given me the, the this incredible life today and i have um you know, one thing I, I, I knew early on, um, you know, is, you know, you want to surround yourself with successful people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I figured that out, you know, early in on. recovery. Well, but but even in any aspect of, of what yeah. you are choosing to do with your right. life at that point, I wanted right. to be a successful drug dealer. So I hung out with successful drug dealers. Right. I wanted to be successful in banking and in real estate. So I, I, I surrounded myself with some people that are really successful. Got it. But and, and, and my recovery life is no different. Mm-hmm. I, I I've surrounded myself with some really really strong, um, powerful in a sense you know you know famous if, if that be you know one of the best things that happened for my recovery was the COVID year. Um, you know that's when I really got involved with much more into social media and Zoom and that kind of stuff, and I, I was able to reach out to to some of these folks because I started a I started a Zoom meeting. Um, for folks in, in, in Houston recovery, um, no one asked me to do it. It's just I had a platform to do it. Right. Nobody knew what Zoom was. Right. March yeah, of for 20. Sure. That's right? exactly right. Right. And so when the world <laughs> the gets shut Zoom? down, well, well, how's somebody going to go to a meeting? Mm-hmm. You know, I had. Oh, because we. Yeah. But because because we were shut down. But liquor stores. Oh, we're open. We're essential. Right. Of course. We're essential. Essential. Not just right. open. They right. were essential. And so I had this platform. And so I, I, I hosted a Zoom meeting um, six days a week, you know, every night, Monday through Monday through Friday, and then on Sunday mornings. And, you know, it, it got up to where we had a, you know, 100 plus people every meeting. Wow. Some people from my treatment center. And then the word kind of got out. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. And then through that, it was, you know, all right how to get creative with it. I just started reaching out to some names, quote unquote, public names. Sure. And, and some, and, and these people are, I can call our friends today. You know, they call me and check up on me and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I still kind of pinch myself like, who am I? Right. But, but but like we just said, I'm just another addict Mm -hmm. and alcoholic that's found a common solution that is not afraid to talk about it. Right. Cause I know, I know, the things that I've experienced, the bottoms that I've had, and just, 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 just the, the, the path that my life took, I, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. And so being able to share that in hopes that hopefully somebody might watch this and say, you know what? Why not me? 
Why not me? Or be yeah, be willing to, to say those words. Because, I need help. Because that opens the door to start asking the right questions. Right. What next? What do I need to do? Right. But if you don't start with the if 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 you don't have that, you know, why not me? That's that hope. Mm-hmm. And a little belief that instead you, of the why me, instead of why me, <laughs> right? why, well, why does this right. keep happening? No, it's right. the wrong. That's the wrong question. It's, mm-hmm. No, what is this teaching you? Mm-hmm. Well, it should be teaching you that your way of doing things sucks, right? And doesn't work, and it's going to end up killing you. You are you have because this, this have road. If, if you're truly you will die on this road, or end up in prison. Well, to me, prison yep. wasn't an option, right? So it was death. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're truly on this yep. road, it ends one of two ways. That's it. You know, death yep. or recovery. I death mean, or recovery. No, you know, you know but but no the, but really, and an understanding what my truth is today, um, and 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 the truth is, is that I'm an addict and alcoholic, mm-hmm. um, and I will die one. Mm-hmm. I woke up today one. Right. I will. You know, it's six years in a couple of days. That that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I woke up today with untreated alcoholism and addiction at four a.m. before I went to the gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a crazy person. But but when I woke up this morning, I, I had untreated alcoholism. And so which required me to take some action to put my disease into arrest. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple things that, that you know that I do um, each and every day to put my disease. That's my medicine. Mm-hmm. Keep so it in remission. I gotta keep I gotta keep it in remission. So mm-hmm. the truth is, is that I'm gonna die an addict and alcoholic. Pretty sure today, if that happens today, it's not the disease that took me out. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Right. I'm at That's peace amazing. With, I'm at peace with that today. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Congratulations. Thanks. And I, and you know, I just I just think that it's so important that we continue to just speak out and 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 just try to pull um try to pull the dark into the light. You yeah. know, we we got to we got to shine on it and and yep. let people know that um, you don't, you don't have to live in shame. No, you, there's, you know, you can't heal in shame. No, doesn't work. And it's not going to get any shame better. Shame shuts off parts, centers of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's, I, I, Shauna Shapiro, I don't know if you've heard of her. She's an expert in mindfulness. Um, she talks a lot about that, um, about what we practice grow stronger. I'd like to say I'm really smart and all this is all original mm-hmm. material, yeah, right. but it's borrowed right. oh, from some really smart people we, yep. who, who I'm able to call a friend today mm-hmm. because I've reached out and I've talked to these folks and, 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 and it's just, it's the truth. Um, you know, I, I, I had to practice getting into a different mindset mm-hmm. and, and, and through that practice, things just got better. Life got better. Life just got better. How can people find you? Uh, I'm on social media, uh, David Ludlow Recovery and the Recovery Action Project on Instagram, uh, David Ludlow on Facebook. Uh, again, not an uh, not anonymous. Um, and uh, Or you can find me through Promises Behavior Health at the Right Step Houston or Promises Brazos Valley and College Station. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, I'm Christy. so grateful for you to, 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 to take the time to come and talk. And again, um, Greg Putnam, thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. Um, Putnam Bookkeeping and Tax Service. If, if you could uh, use his services, please look him up. You, you will not be sorry. Thank you so much for listening to the Purpose Driven Sobriety. Thanks for listening to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Keep coming back. 